trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Greg Pace and Teresa Mills. Both of them are activists with extensive research, experience, and action regarding oil and gas brine. Greg Pace is co-founder of the Columbus Community Bill of Rights. He's webmaster, treasurer, and puts out the 600-plus subscriber newsletter. He's an advocate with Stop Brine Spreading, the Ohio grassroots group educating the public on the danger of conventional oil and gas brine disposal on our roads, and working to create legislation to ban brine disposals in the state of Ohio. Greg works with Clintonville Energy Collaborative, to install solar on homes with a volunteer workforce and works with economic democracy advocates, educating the public on what resource democracy could look like. For over 20 years, Teresa Mills has worked as a grassroots leader to help communities find their voices, analyze data, and develop strategic plans. She began her activism career by shutting down the Columbus incinerator which was polluting her neighborhood and was later defined as the largest emitter of dioxin in the country. Teresa also founded Buckeye Environmental Network, a statewide coalition of grassroots-focused groups. Today, she works with Center for Health and Environmental Justice to train and assist grassroots leaders across the country. Teresa also coordinates CHEJ's Small Grants Program. Welcome, you two. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Well, I think we have two of the most knowledgeable folks um, on the issue of brine. Brine is a very um, euphemistic word. We kind of think of pickles and think of brine turkey at Thanksgiving. But what really is brine, especially oil and gas brine? Why don't we talk about that first? Teresa? It's... It's the it's actually a product that comes out of the ground when the oil and gas industry brings up oil and gas. The oil and gas is actually the byproduct because brine there is for every barrel of oil that's produced there's 10 barrels of brine. So we're we're producing much more brine than we are oil. So why is it called brine because it's salty? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So it is radioactive oil and gas waste liquids. I see. It's, it's not water. It has no resemblance to water other than it's liquid. Really? Yes. So what is it? Just It has all this solid compounds that come back up as well as liquid from the drilling of fracking or, natu- or just vertical oil wells? Well, the... It's vertical and horizontal. Horizontal wells also produce brine, but supposedly in the state of Ohio, it's against the law to spread oil and gas brine from a horizontal well. So some folks want to um, commodify this brine, um, sell it 
in, you know, the hardware stores to for de-icer or for um, dust control. So why do they, um, why are they doing this and what, what could go wrong? No, Greg? Well, I think uh, the oil and gas industry with the uh, horizontal fracking, I think it would be pretty much impossible for them to do it. It's hard enough economically when they are uh, basically have free access to throwing all their waste away around the, in the neighborhoods and the environment. It's basically they do this almost for free. And if they had to do it in a way that's safer and it would cost money, they would have to basically stop fracking. It would pretty much stop it, put a stop to it. Because as, as it is now, it's so uneconomical that they have to get free water. You know, they get 11 million gallons average of water per frack in Ohio now with all the wells they have. And it's basically almost free. You know, it's a penny or a couple pennies per hundreds or thousands of gallons. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's almost free water. And so free waste disposal, they rely on these two things in order to be able to frack. Because otherwise, it would be way, they, they, they wouldn't be able to do it. So this brine is water waste. Is this the same um, kind of water waste they put in injection wells? Is that the same thing? Yeah, so, well, with horizontal wells, as Teresa said, uh, it's not legal to spread um, horizontal well brines on, on the roads and in the environment, but it, uh, that's what they put in the ejection wells. And they've always told us that they outlawed the use of horizontal brine because of the chemical constituents they put down when they frack, mm-hmm. and they thought it would be not as safe as the vertical brine. Mm -hmm. However, we have recently learned that the vertical brine is very, very radioactive, and there is heavy metals and a whole lot of other chemicals in there that we're not sure what exactly is in there. We do know it's highly radioactive. Okay, So let's make the difference between vertical conventional oil and gas well drilling brine and horizontal fracking brine. So which one is being used to be poured, uh, spread on streets, and is one more radioactive than the other? Well, sure. uh, The horizontal goes through shale layers, and... The shale is where you get most of your uh, heavy metals and your radionuclides from, your uh, uranium, thorium, uh, radiums, which are you know, kind of data products of it and everything. But uh, most of that comes from the shale layer. So when you have a vertical le- uh, well that goes straight down, it might go through a shale layer or into a shale layer. But most of the drill cuttings and most of the stuff that comes back isn't from the shale as it is from a horizontal well, which actually goes, it can go two or three miles into the shale layer and pull all these um, radionuclides from miles of it up into into the surface where it was one or two miles down below for the last 10 or 20 or 50 million years. And now it's exposed to the environment, to human beings. Are you talking about vertical um, brine or horizontal brine? I'm talking basically about horizontal, I'm sorry, you have horizontal is where the shale is from, but we're finding now that the conventional vertical wells have a lot of times at least as much as a lot of the horizontals do in terms of radium and uh, the uranium and so forth. What do you think, Teresa? Is that how, do, how can we prove, how has it been proven 
that this um, vertical oil well brine is radioactive? The, um, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources has tested uh, the brine and <clears throat> from vertical and horizontal wells. They've tested wells from out of state coming into Ohio, the waste coming into Ohio, and it's all radioactive. And this is coming from like this Clinton sandstone. It's not coming, vertical is not coming from the shale. I so see. it's, it's, and as for it being a commodity, um, <clears throat> that's smoke and mirrors. It was in 2004, it was already listed as a commodity. It was. <clears throat> yes. By ODNR, called it a commodity. And they were selling it? Yes. Yes. And that's how we learned about, um, it was a, a product that was taken off of a shelf at a low store. And tested by the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, okay. and it came back highly radioactive. And this is a product that was on the open market. We were able to put enough pressure on Lowe's that they pulled it from their shelves. And so, Lowe's was the only place holding this this no, brine or selling this brine. No, no, it was also it was sold online uh-huh. through uh, through Lowe's. It was also sold at the highest concentration. Um, of the commodity brine was at a hardware store in Northeast Ohio. Are, are we legally allowed to say the name of this com- of this product? I don't don't know why we can't. I oh. mean, it is a product that was for sale on the shelves, and, and it's, it's called Aquasalina. Aquasalina, and they're still producing this. Uh, yes. All right, and people are buying it and putting it on their driveways. Um, I'm not sure that you can still find the general public can find it. It's being used on, um, like the Ohio Turnpike uses solely Aquasalina. Oh, really? Yes, yes. We just learned that. So, and and when I had Justin Noble on Grassroot Ohio, right. you know, several weeks ago, and he was talking about how radioactive this brine is, and how on the roads it becomes dust and then it can be tracked into your home or you can breathe it through the dust. Right, exactly. So where are we in Ohio right now regarding legality? Is it completely legal right now to spread vertical oil and gas uh, well brine? Yes. It's completely legal. Completely legal. Yeah, a lot of counties use it. I know down in southeast Ohio, I've actually followed bride trucks around over the last three or four years, and they just spray it on roads all over the counties, and uh, it's, it's just everywhere, really, down there. I, don't, I think there's about 29 counties. 29 counties. 29 counties, I think, in Ohio that uh, ODOT actually uh, uses this stuff in, and how, spraying on state roads. How can you find out if your county uh, spreads this brine on their on your road? We've actually been doing a little research uh, for our Stop Brine Spreading Group. Uh, we're looking into the counties. We go to the county commissioners. They have all the records of the resolutions. They have to, any township or community that wants to spread brine on their roads has to have a resolution every year. They have to renew it. And so that's what we've been looking into lately. And I've found quite a few just here in like Morrow County, Licking County. Uh, I think Union County had some and some other people are looking at it. How about Franklin County? county? Franklin County has one. Uh, I can't remember what it is. I just started looking into Franklin. 
I was more concerned about Morrow because that's where Columbus's drinking water comes from. And so, uh, you know, we had over uh, 200,000 gallons of uh, brines, conventional brines, um, spread on roads in Morrow County back in uh, 2018, I think it was. So, Can you tell us why we should be concerned about radioactive brine being put on the roads? Why should people in communities worry about it? What kind of medical or health, health um, results are there or would there be? Julie Weatherington Rice put up a letter to, when Troy Balderson was still in the State House instead of a, a congressman, she sent him a letter about two years ago. And she knew of an adjunct professor at Ohio State. He was an a, a, a environmental scientist there. He got sick with a rare form of cancer. And he lived in Licking County. And he wanted to figure out how he got this cancer. His doctor specifically said that it's got to be have come from heavy metals, heavy metal exposure. Mm-hmm. And so he and also his neighbor actually died of this cancer. But before he died, he spent a lot of time trying to zero in on what actually caused this. And he actually found a dust pool uh, somewhere in his driveway near his road or in his driveway of a lot of heavy metals and he traced that to because they'd been spreading brine on his roads for years, on his, on his uh, dust roads. And the, the thing they had in common, him and his neighbor, where they mowed their lawn every, uh, themselves every summer, got all dust and everything. And it was all the dust exposure that he determined that was prob- most probably the cause of this rare cancer that they both got. And this is so, it's, you know, people typically might think of brines and so forth, the exposures when you spray it on the road of getting in the water, that's true, but the, the exposures that we know of, that people actually died of, and uh, a very uh, risky exposure is through dust and through an inhalation of the radium and, and heavy metals. And the, excuse me, the radioactive isotopes that we're looking at right now is radium-226 and 228, and those are bone seekers. They actually go into the bone and... Uh, uh, impact the bone marrow can cause leukemia. Um, a lot of your listeners will probably, hopefully, remember the radium girls that died from radiation paint that they used on watches to make them glow in the dark. Mm. And you know these ladies suffered a you know a horrible death. So the radium, the radium two two six is com- comes from comes from even the vertical oil wells that haven't fracked, but also comes from the fracked horizontal wells as well. Yeah, I kind of confused the issue a little bit a few minutes ago. Um, I I didn't really, uh, I did, I kind of was back in the old thinking where we really thought that the horizontal wells was where all the radionuclides are are located. You know, you get it all from the horizontal wells from the shale layer, but we're finding now that that's not really true. A lot of this radioactivity is still in the conventional brines that come up. So the ra- radium, uh, they confuse the issue. They, you know, they confuse every issue. But this issue, they, they compare this with granite countertops and bananas and all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just completely different types of, of radium, or different types of uh, uh, radiation. You know, you've got alpha, beta, and gamma radiation. These are all, these radiums are alpha radiation. So when you get it in your body, and it's bone-seeking, and it's, you get it in your bones, it stays there for the rest of your life, and it emits around to the cells around where it is, and you get free radicals where the cells, it actually changes the DNA in the cells, and then you get cancers, and uh, that's the problem that you have. With bananas, uh, Justin Noble compared it to uh, 
having a 45 shell, a 45 caliber shell in a gun, if you can compare it to like bananas, is if you take the shell and you try to throw it at somebody, and this stuff with these free radicals is more like putting the shell in the gun and actually shooting the person with the gun. It's a, that's kind of a, a comparison. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio, and I'm talking with Greg Pace and Teresa Mills, and they both have created a um, group to study the effects of uh, vertical oil well brine. Can you guys tell us a little bit about that group and if there's a website or a Facebook page folks can get information? Several of us have been looking at this brine issue for three or four years now, some even longer. Um, After Justin's article came out. Justin Noble. Justin Noble. And the article was called America's... Right. Radioactive secret. Right, in Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, after his article came out, <clears throat> the group went from uh, 17 people to 156. Hmm. So we are uh, we're working on a web page right now. Um, we don't have a Facebook yet. Um, I don't do Facebook. I'm too old <laughs> to figure that out. But anyway, the, I do want to say one thing about the banana. Mm-hmm. Okay. The banana is potassium 40. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is your body. It, that is necessary for your health. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're talking about two different types of radioactive isotopes. So it's when the owner of Aquasalina holds up pictures and shows bananas and um, countertops and lima beans and meat and says this is all radioactive. He's, he is misdirecting people. Mm-hmm. He is actually, how would I say this politely? <laughs> um, a bait and switch, I got. I don't deceiving? Know. Dece- oh, absolutely deceiving, yes. I mean, he, it's a ra- he can say it's radioactive because it is radioactive, but it doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect our health in the same right. way. That's the problem. Right. So, I mean, and we've referred to Julie, Dr. Julie Weatherington Rice before, and she's well-known um, water scientist, soil scientist, and she talks about the radionuclides. And, and she also says that we all originally were formed by radioactive elements. So it is a natural part of our earth, but um, the shale and the, the liquid brine that comes up from deep down in the earth is far more radioactive than human beings can handle. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's been down there for hundreds of millions of years at a safe place, and now we're bringing it up to a place that we're exposed to it for the first time ever, and it's not a good place for it to be. Now, if someone's interested in getting on this um, committee or this this study group, is there an email or is there anything that they can reach out to? Or uh, is there like, um, yeah, is yeah, there? They can reach out to, um, <clears throat> to me at the Buckeye Environmental Network at info, I-N-F-O, at org. So that's... Info, I-N-F-O, at B-E-N-O-H-I-O dot org. Great. 
so they can reach out to you and then you can see, you know, if they're industry folks or if they're real right, folks exactly. that are interested in really protecting Ohio. Now, is this a problem in the other shale um, heavy states as well? Is what's going on? Do you know what's going around us? Well, I think it's the same thing, but uh, I know Justin Noble focused a lot on the Utica or down here in between Pennsylvania and especially Ohio, Southeast Ohio. And so that's a focus for the article. But uh, and I know I understand Marcellus shale in Pennsylvania is the most radioactive in the whole country. So you could compare it as the high, having the highest radioactive levels of all the shales in the country as they know it. But they're all, they all have the same problem. So are you working on legislation? Are you working on something that the people of Ohio could pass, hopefully get a champion in the state house to pass to protect communities that have no idea that this de-icer is potentially causing cancer in their community? Yeah, we are. And, and please remember that this de-icer or the brine is not just de-icer. It's also used as a dust suppressant. Right. So it's, you know, in the summer when it's kicking up dust, you have to watch for those trucks spreading the brine on the roads. Um, yes, we are in the process right now. We have talked to a couple of the legislators um, about potentially being a champion for a bill that would stop brine spreading. Um, are they? I, I read that um, there's a bill that's been introduced that allows oil and gas management to determine the safety of aquasalina and other conventional brine products for use as a de-icer. Have you heard of that? It's House Bill 545. What is that? Yeah. Have you heard, Teresa? Yeah, I have. I have. And it's basically um, anyone that has been following the brine issue it's the same bill that has been introduced in three general assemblies. Three former general assemblies. Three former general assemblies. So for the last six years, mm-hmm. this bill has been introduced. And it's, it's just floundered there, or has, have it, has it gotten um, support? Um, it passed in the um, last, not last year, in 2018. It passed in the House of Representatives. Um, under House Bill 393. Okay. Okay. So it did pass there, but it did not pass in the legislature. And I think the citizens of Ohio should deserve a lot of credit for that because when we found out during uh, the hearing on 393, that was the first time we heard about the radiation study. Mm. And as soon as we did, we got the study uh, found out the levels, sent it to every member of the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. We had representatives, you know, bailing on this bill. They pulled their names from co-sponsorship. so Because they got it. Yeah, they got it, absolutely. And, you know, I actually said to a couple of them that, you know, in Ohio, we shouldn't radiate babies. Mm. And that, you know, it was like I smacked them upside the head with a brick. But, I mean, it was true. They got it. They got it. They got it. They got it. And, you know, I'm hoping that the same thing will happen with this bill. People have to understand that um, we do make a difference when we contact our, our, especially when we visit our legislators. 
But I mean, like like Teresa said, this is the third time that this has come before the General Assembly, and it's kind of surprising because we have twice as much data now, or three times as much data now as we did two years ago. Specific data of measurable tests showing how high this stuff up is is in radium, and it keeps going up. We keep finding it's more and more. So we, you all need to get a Facebook page or a website put up so folks i mean um greg you and i are familiar with radioactivewaste.org which was one of the um, websites we started um seven years ago and there's a lot of good information on that website so folks can look at radioactivewaste.org um but um and teresa please tell folks again how they can get a hold of you info at Info at Ben, B-E-N-O-H-I-O dot org. Okay, great. Now, some um, activist friends of ours have had some success in stopping the spreading of this brine in their, in their community. Kathy Jones, Kathy Jones, right? Right. Up in Medina. Do you know her story at all? How yes. she did it? Mm-hmm. And how did she do it? She took the information that all of us have. And presented it to her city council, and the city council got it mm-hmm. and said, even though they did have a little of the aqua salina, they were not going to use it. It was a city council, or was it the county commissioner? I don't know. I, I thought it was. Well, that was city council. City council. Yeah. Okay. City council. Yeah. City council. The president of the city council was actually right. leading the meeting. Yep. Excellent. So if people in Ohio are worried about this and concerned about this, they can reach out to you. Yes. And you can give them this information because where is all this information? Like all this, you said, took the information we all have. Well, we don't all have that information. So so where they can get that from you. Yes. And eventually your website. Yes. And um, take it to their city council or their county commissioners and say, hey, we don't want radioactive waste brine spread on our roads. Right. In in the state of Ohio, it... In order to spread brine, the county commissioners have to pass a resolution allowing the spreading of brine. Okay. Okay. So if they can pass a resolution allowing the spreading of brine, they can pass a resolution against the spreading of brine. And that's what I would encourage citizens to do to start with. You know, they always say act locally, think globally. Um, so get on the county commissioners, um, you know, like I said, get them to pass a resolution. So. I can give some, a couple of simple numbers, too, just for people to remember just off the bat. One is from the, from the most current testing that was done, a split sample on aqua salina itself. After it was filtered and after it was ready for ODOT to spray on highways, it came about 40 times, more than 40 times the uh, – environmental discharge limit that the EPA has for uh, radium-226 and 228. So these highly toxic uh, free radical agents that we don't want in our bodies that came up 40 times the limit just to be able to spray them on the roads, period. So this is the brine, similar brine, that they are injecting in injection wells. And Columbus, we're calling, you know, our show is, um, our studio's in Columbus, and I've been working on this issue. And we have 13 active frack waste injection wells taking this very radioactive brine and then they're trying to sell brine you know to make it sound like it's going to be you know a great de-icer de-duster on top of that one other really kind of i think of it as a dastardly part of this bill that has been in all the bills is that 
uh, it would restrict the ability of the environmental uh, regulatory agencies to test this stuff. They would only be able to test it four times a year at maximum. It's crazy. It's just and like the uh, the gag order, the physician's gag order <laughs> they had back in 2012. It's just they're trying to stop everybody from being able to see what it is. Right, and that's exactly why, you know, it's already a commodity. And remember, this is one company that is doing this. So it's not like we are trying to hurt a, you know, a big conglomerate. This is one man, one company that has done this. Uh, so he's the one that's making money. Normal brine from horizontal wells, from vertical wells, well, not from horizontal wells, but from vertical wells, basically townships can get that for free. Mm. They're not charging for it. Aquasalina is different. All right. With that, we need to wrap it up. But, folks, you need to get information from Teresa Mills at info at org, And that's it for today. Bye-bye. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks, Carolyn. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.